Hey there, howdy. Thanks for tuning in. Coming back on the other side of Texas where it's hot as blazes. Like, I don't know if there's some factory uh, uh, mishap with the dashboard thermometer, but uh, it's like 120. No, my, my dashboard on the way in said 111. That's uh, pretty impressive. Pretty impressive there outside. Hot all over, except in Lake City, where we're going in a couple of weeks. Lake City, Colorado is looking at it yesterday, 65 degrees. Oh, that's nice. Here we go. Hey, I'm Jay West, Texas. Leeson across the way is Queen Catherine. I think it's going to be Queenie for short. Queenie. Queenie Catherine. <laughs> hey, uh, right here at these studios, Buddy Holly became famous, and that independent streak remains with your daily dose of prairie populism right here on AM580, streaming at othersideoftexas.com. I did, man, I was out doing some blue-collar work today on a roof, and it was really, really rough. Yeah. A little... A little uh, rookie mistake there. Didn't turn off the phone. Already getting some texts about how hot it is. But uh, unreal. Like, you guys that prayed for summer to come. Well, here it is. Here it is. But we really, really need some rain. So a couple of things to kick us off here. We've got Travis Clardy, a son of Lubbock, Texas, who's now, I mean, the guy's like Manute Bull. I think he's like 6'8". And he's he's giant, and uh, son of Lubbock, Monterey High School, and now he's Axum Jacks out in uh, Nacogdoches, Texas, and uh, gonna get in with him, try to uh, have an engaging, funny conversation, then get some dirt out of him, just shake some stuff out, maybe make some headlines with old Clardy, coming up uh, about half an hour from now, but. You know, I was thinking about this piece I just put up on OtherSideOfTexas.com. And it really began to make me grip my teeth a little bit. Because politics is a game of pulling people's legs in such a way that they don't know that their legs got get pulled. Like, that's the name of the game. And it happens all the time. And that's... Like, my bent a lot of times is I just want I want to know the truth as close as you can come to truth in this practice of politics where we find some Reinhold Niebuhr where practice, uh, politics is the practice of finding insoluble or approximate solutions to insoluble problems. That's what politics is. And so in the game of politics, pulling legs... But, for instance, locally, well, this happens in a lot of places. Guys come in, we're going to cut your taxes. We're going to cut your taxes. And then you look at your your utility bill, public-owned utility, wherever that might be in Lubbock, LPNL, Lubbock Power and Light, and your fees are going up. And you're like, what's the deal with that? And then you look at other bills that you're getting, and it's fees, fees. And you say, whoa, whoa, whoa. I thought you said I wasn't going to pay more money here. And they say, well, we didn't raise your taxes. But they're fees. It's the same thing. You're just calling it something different. And even to go away from economics, 
I did not have sexual relations with that woman. Now, that's a little too young for your time, Queenie. But, mm-hmm. like, there's this dress that has this stuff on it and then there's this cigar and then there are these so you didn't have no I didn't have I don't want to go much further so it's pretty clear that there were things happening certain organs working but nobody had sexual relations okay and it's just all the time well I didn't do that and it, it's like my kids telling me, well, I did, I did clean the windows. No, I told you to clean not just those, win- not just those three, but all of them. That's what I told you. Well, I did clean windows. And it's, it's like this, and I'm going somewhere back to that piece on the farm bill up on the website. But whenever I was a little kid, the big thing for us was McDonald's. Now, my kids... You know, my daughter's like, well, that's fake food. I don't want to, like, okay. <laughs> and she's like, I need, like I saw this headline the other day about now they're listening, because people are so dumb now. Like, oh, we're super healthy, super smart, but we've, like, as healthy as we've gotten, we've just gotten dumber. So now they're putting non-GMOs on salt containers. Companies selling their salt is non oh, Of course it's not GMO. But the big deal for us was McDonald's to go get a Happy Meal, and that was the thing. At go, and you might see the Fry Guys, and go slap the hands of those weird McDonald's porcelain or plastic statues that they yeah. have out on the playground. Now moms are like, "You can't go. You might step on a story. You can't play on that playground." And, but that was a big deal for us. It's so in plain view. My dad one day says, I'll never forget this. He says, let's go to McDonald's. And we're like, yeah. And we load up, me and my little brother, load up with dad. And we are going to McDonald's, except he's going the wrong way. And we drive up to this farm supply store in Plainview called McDonald's. And there's the wheels and the tracks, hitches, plows tillers old men sitting around and dirty wranglers and you know hats that they sweated through at sitting up at the bar and uh, at the ordering counter and hydraulic filters and this that and the other and this is not dad this is not what you said it was this is not at all what you said it was and it's just as a little kid you're like what are you doing this is no good Diggummit. So, but that was my first, my first lesson in how all these things work. Uh, That, in politics today, so much of the time that I spend engaged in it is your dad telling you you're going to get a Happy Meal when really you're going to get a new plow. That's what you're going to do. There were no Happy Meals, no Hamburglers, no Fry Guys, no nothing. At that, well, I told you we were going to McDonald's. So all I had to say, you get into this whole Farm Bill thing, and it's already complicated. And I understand why a lot of people don't. I try to make politics entertaining on the show. I understand why average guy my age, you know, forty-ish doesn't like to pay attention to politics because of the acrimony and we'll get into acrimony in the next segment but 
for now it's just a matter of getting your leg pulled so many times and so with the farm bill in the piece that we put up you know we had Hel- helena bottomiller evich on the show from politico uh, last week and then i looked at it into it a little bit further made some calls and put a piece up on the website that i think is a pretty down the middle play on uh, what's going on what's happened and what's going on but here's the deal is that republicans came out of the gate and said it was the democrats the democrats uh, went against us on work requirements that we're going to require 20 hours a week by able-bodied people and the democrats are absolutely opposed to doing welfare welfare reform within the farm bill and okay so good people can disagree on that except this is not what these republicans coming up into election season are willing to say it wasn't the democrats only it takes a lot of votes from the other side to pass a bill or to turn down a bill and there were a couple dozen people from the freedom caucus who went in and voted against the farm bill in order to leverage a vote on immigration before what many see as a moderated for a very moderate proposal on daca coming down so it failed 198 to 213 so it was a a block a solid uniform block of democrats and the freedom caucus so that was my first bag was i don't hear anything about the freedom caucus all i've heard about are that it was just the democrats well yeah it was the democrats and the freedom Caucus. now the democrats on the other side and this is where you're pulling my leg man you're pulling my leg democrats say well it was just about republicans and these work requirements and you begin to so you hear that and you tune in and you tune out to dc except whenever trump's tweeting something i mean kim kardashian is involved in politics i mean this is incredible anyway so it's like uh, i can't stop looking not not at her just at the situation okay so the work requirement well when did work requirements become a problem because i looked into it and so colin peterson is up in minnesota a ranking member he's a democrat on the house committee on agriculture and gave very little notice of being adverse to because these bills take a long like conway chairman mike conway midland has been working on this since you know i heard him in lamisa i think back last september or so and he's been working on this thing so forget the r's forget the d's forget all the partisanship just look at the players on the board peterson doesn't say hardly anything publicly about these work requirements until march the 8th he goes on american ag network on this big podcast and announces that the democrats will be in revolt against these work requirements like that was the big announcement and then conaway responds the next day and says we've been working he's he's very smooth in his language quote i have worked with colin every step of the way on the farm bill draft and what he means by farm bill draft is this is something that's been underway for some six months he's known about this and he's known about it and he's known about it and now all of a sudden and so the induction there is well, Pelosi put in a call. Nancy Pelosi is whipping D's, and all of a sudden, there's this big obstruction. And so, 
I understand you would play politics late, but the the deal is is that Peterson's known about work requirements for at least January, and I don't know how much further back because I don't clerk for the House Ag Committee. But that's been going on for some time. And so all of a sudden I listen to all this, and I'm getting really frustrated because and I understand Pelosi wants to bog it down. We're going to move into November here, and I'm going to be shocked if we have a farm bill within this year, having seen all the guts of this thing now. But it's all that to say, I just feel like I'm taking a ride to the wrong McDonald's, even at 39. And you really have to begin to push and, and ebb your way through all this and and wear your irrigation boots because there's plenty of boo stooge out there whenever you get into these issues and so i just began to think about how it really is like the eloquent way of saying it is politics is the practice of finding approximate solutions to insoluble problems but it's also the practice of taking people to the wrong mcdonald's (laughs) and pulling their leg without them knowing that their legs have been pulled. And what we want to do here is tell you when we think legs are being pulled. So, when, speaking of, this Sid Miller thing. Wow. What he posts yesterday online and is, hey, how about racer car wash? They ought to just call it leasing car wash. Take the tundra down there. Just roll it through. It looks like a fry guy whenever all those flaps come over the tundra. <laughs> love it. Love those guys. Just drive on through. Get that VIP looking great. Paid for with cash. Drive around with my VIP pass. And you haters on the tundra, whatever you're driving, I'll match you part for part. I'll, we'll make like the McDonald's supply farm supply store parts. We'll lay them all out. You tell me what was made in America in yours, and I'll show you what was made in America and built in Texas in mine. How about that? But still, that Big Bad Tundra is rolling through. That Big Bad Tundra that was made great at, at West Texas Accessory Depot, by the way. I don't know how much advertising I'm going to do here within a minute, but uh, it all looks great. When I go to Racer Car Wash, go to racerwash.com, figure out your best location. Five of them here in the Hub City. One popping up, I think, in San Antonio. Got to get those guys on. They're like flapjack. Open seven days a week now. Anyhow racerwash.com love racer car wash so i guess we're to a place on speaking of politics where we're in such a point of relativism relativism excuse me now that roseanne can go on and blast valerie jarrett and then abc says well that's wrong we're counseling her show well um, I've got like 20 instances of Keith Oberman, like on his own form of Ambien, telling the president, beep you, beep you, Nazi beep you. But he's going to do Sports Center <laughs> on ESPN, which is owned by ABC. And then Samantha B., who I've never seen before, but she gets on and says some terrible things about Ivanka. And so it's just this thing of. Well, they did it, so I'll do it. So 
everybody just needs to line up outside my bedroom door and just get a paddling. Because if my kids do that, well, <laughs> they did it at my house. So number one transgression is, but he did this, or but she said that mm-hmm. if there's a but and then a point at the other person, then guess who what other butts about to get involved that's it's just crazy what just the the lack of responsibility here is just staggering to me but yesterday sid miller who just has gone beyond you know my thing with sid miller the ag commissioner is that you know you want to be big balls in cowtown okay go for it okay but don't, this really irks me, speaking of politicians. If they feel like they're up, then they don't want to do radio. And it's not, I mean, that's fine. There are people who don't want to come on the show. There are people I don't want to come on the show. And um, I'm always glad to get pushed back and to hear from the other side. I have plenty of people with whom I disagree, and they come on the show. We have an amicable conversation. And I will always have an amicable conversation on this show with people unless they like are super crazy and start slandering but um sid miller you know he was lined we were in talks to have a debate on this program between he and his primary opponent and it would have been great this is the the biggest agriculture region in texas this would be the place where the ag commissioner needs to have his debate and you know they just got real slippery as boiled onions about it and he he didn't come and you know that that, that is really disappointing but Sid Miller has this history on social media and you know the same thing that and you can go look it up yourself I'm not going to say it on air but the same thing Samantha B said about Ivanka is the same thing that Sid Miller said about Hillary Clinton but this yesterday uh Texas Agriculture Commissioner Sid Miller posts and then deletes a fake photo of Whoopi Goldberg. He do- there was a doctored photo on Facebook that showed television personality Whoopi Goldberg wearing a shirt that depicts President Donald Trump shooting himself in the head. Now, as soon as I saw what Sid posted, I could not believe it. And here's the thing, as you get older, Queenie... Mm-hmm. Whenever you see something you can't believe, then you need to think, I can't believe that. I better check it out before you hit retweet. Right. You already know that. (laughs) I'm just telling you. The older you get, because everybody is like, all of us, you're on the innocent side now. Mm -hmm. You just graduated high school. (laughs) Okay. But all of us. On the other side of high school, every time we post something in social media, we risk losing our jobs, okay? Except the ad commissioner, who apparently thinks he's just locked in and he can post whatever he wants to post. <laughs> there is a thing called Snopes.com. S-N-O-P-E-S. And every Texas Gen Xer looks at their parents or if any of their grandparents are still alive, and says, hey, uh, maybe you should run that through Snopes.com and figure out whether or not that's the veracity of that claim. So, it was uh, Sid Miller posting this photo of Whoopi Goldberg and then saying, 
Miller wrote that he in no way condoned the language used by the actress Roseanne Barr, but thinks that the view should be canceled because of this doctored photo of Whoopi Goldberg with President Trump blowing his brains out, and that that was a way to make America great again. Now, the big take on this, I don't want to dwell on this very long, but was that his spokesperson, Todd Miller, I believe, or Todd, it's Todd something, Todd Smith, that's his name, said this, quote, we're like Fox, Fox News. We report, we let people decide. Now, again, pull their leg without them knowing that their leg got pulled. Well, we're just putting things out there. You're putting out fraudulent photos as an elected official. And you're going to let people decide? So all these people, and the problem is, is that not everybody has the same IQ. And I'm like right there in the middle of the road on this IQ thing. But you just say, uh, what can you trust now? Especially if the ag commissioner is going to go big balls in Cowtown and then promote irresponsible social media practices. It's kind of like Hawaii. Where was that? Hold on, hold on, hold on. It was, come on think some oh florida in florida they put out a warning for it was like some weather event but they also said watch out for zombies and i guess somebody like got on ambien or kentucky gentleman or something and decided they wanted to throw zombies into the mix of things to watch for (laughs) and i bet you people literally looked at that and freaked out would you freak out I mean, I'd be kind of confused. Like, zombies? It's it's all coming about, just like they said it was. And so, that's all. No, Sid Miller, you're wrong. Todd Smith, you're wrong. You can't just put things out and let people decide. Like, within the Fox model, it's, well, we're going to give you a slant. And there's a lot of difference between fraudulence and slant. So, I'm looking at, I do have a subscription to the uh, New York Times. Mm -hmm. And I'll have something to say tomorrow about local newspapers. And let me just say, I'm all for the Abernathy Advocate. They just got their paper back. It used to be the Abernathy Weekly Review. That's where I began writing, like, in the late 90s in high school. But uh, I checked those out. And there's a great, by the way... uh, up on othersidetexas.com, there's a news feed, and it runs feeds from smaller mid-market newspapers. And you can just scroll through that feed and see what's going on down in San Angelo or over in Nacogdoches, <coughs> Longview or Plainview or wherever. There are um, a lot of people wondering what happened in 2016, and the New York Times ran this great piece yesterday about an insider view about uh, this book that's coming out on Obama and specifically Obama, Barack Obama, trying to deal with how Donald Trump got elected. And there comes a point where uh, Obama is watching the post reelect and he says that he had read a column asserting that liberals had forgotten how important identity was to people and promoted an empty cosmopolitan globalism and said, quote, 
maybe we push too far. Maybe people just want to fall back into their tribe. That people had a sense of social and economic loss. Things were pushed too far. And these were the same arguments I made. I wrote a column in the Avalanche Journal. It was called A Letter to My Kids, Why I'm Voting for Trump. And I wrote to my kids for posterity because I just had an inkling that Stormy Daniels were coming in instances like that. And that was before the whole TMZ or Hollywood report, whatever that was, where Trump said that he was going to grab people by certain parts and this, that, and other. I knew that those things were probably coming, but I wanted to write a piece why I voted for Trump and base it on exactly Obama's assessment too late. Maybe people just want to regain their footing. I'm, I'm paraphrasing what he said. And I think that's where the country was, and that's what Trump appealed to. Uh, Stephen Whitmer said that in the interview we had with him and the pieces that he'd written in the Gospel Coalition about rural ministry. Man, that New York Times piece was really good. It was a really good read. Somebody I like and enjoy is Travis Clardy. Travis, Travis Clardy. <laughs> that would be my campaign song if I were your campaign manager. And if you well, pay me enough to get out of this can- gig, then maybe I would be. Yeah, you know, that was a pretty good uh, pretty good voice there. I like that idea. I'll have to get back to you on that cam- campaign manager gig there, Jay. Uh, Camp- it seems like you're, you're fitting into this radio deal pretty good. Yeah, it's going, it's going better and better, so they tell me. I just I just try to do my best here. So Travis Clardy is let me give you your proper your proper introduction here. In January 2017, Travis Clardy was sworn in to serve his third term as state representative for the people of House District 11, which includes Cherokee, Nacogdoches, and Rust counties. And uh, in the 85th legislature, Representative Clardy was vice chair of local and consent calendars committee. He was appointed to serve on the higher education and energy resource committees and what's lost in all this it's like the lead is lost that uh, Travis Clardy grew up in Lubbock and that's where I want to begin what was it like now and where you are and you guys have been in uh, you and Judy have been in Nacogdoches what to 20 years 25 yeah about 25 years uh, we've been here and uh, moved out to East Texas, where you know Judy grew up in Tyler. Then we met at Abilene Christian, uh, but uh, you know she had family out here. We moved out of the big city of Dallas, where I was practicing law at the time, and wanted a, a different kind of uh, style of life and, and uh, be closer to family. So we got out here and moved to a little town called Center with a firm there and uh, uh, great folks. But uh, I tell people I'm like Goldilocks. Dallas is too big. Center's a little too small. Nacogdoches is just right. Okay, so I want to go into a couple of backgrounds before we talk about the difference between West Texas and East Texas, the things that stand out in your mind. But number yeah. one, you are how tall? Like six, seven? Six, seven. Okay, and you were playing ball at Abilene Christian. That is true. And how long did Bas- you go to Abilene Christian? Basketball. Yeah, well, well, that's what it, I mean by it, ball. It, 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 I, but before I get there, Jay Leeson, I want to thank you once again uh, for making the long trip uh, off the Calf Rock from Lubbock, coming down to Nacogdoches and being at our Lone Star Legislative Summit and serving on our media panel. Uh, you acquitted yourself quite well, and that was very enjoyable. But, uh, you know, we both know it's a long way for a couple of flatlanders like us uh, to, to make the trek from Lubbock to Nacogdoches behind the Pine Curtain. So I uh, appreciate you doing it. But, um, 
you know, the... the hold, uh, hold, on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. You went to Abilene Christian for how long? Uh, well, I graduated there four years. Uh, stuck around there, watched my wife uh, finish up. We got married while I was had graduated. She was in her senior year as an All-American tennis player. Yeah. And uh, so we stayed there, and I took the LSAT and worked on a second degree, did some different things, and then uh, uh, tried to hold down a part-time job. And, and uh, anyway, wound up going to law school after that, but uh, finished her, her uh Got her, I guess, the fourth and fifth All-American distinctions that her senior year at Abilene Christian. That's right, Judy Clardy, and that's what I want to get into here. So I get to Nacogdoches. I leave, finally leave Lubbock around three, and I get to Nacogdoches at midnight. And Clardy's like, "No, you got to. I want you to come to the house, meet Judy." And so, you know, I'm staying at the hotel like two blocks away. And so he takes me over, and we go upstairs, and what I thought was your daughter came out and said, well, this is Judy. And I said, no, so, like, you named your daughter Judy, too? Oh, you did pretty well for yourself there, Clardy. I, I, there's no doubt about it. You know, that's those corporate boys there in Lubbock. I, I, no doubt about it. I married up. I'm a lucky man. I got my trophy wife on the first throw. And you raised, y'all have raised four boys, right? Three or four? Four sons. Uh, East two Texas. married. Got our first two grandsons. Uh, this uh, uh, this year, and uh, have another wedding coming up for our our youngest twin by about twenty minutes. Uh, John is getting married this summer uh, in Austin to a girl that he met out in uh, uh, Malibu. She's kind of a star in her own right. Beautiful young lady. She's graduated from UCLA and moved to Austin. Is going to work for Oracle. So we, we're very proud of our proud of our, our family. Because John goes to Pepper. I, I'm the I'm the weak link in this organization, Jay. No. Okay, so tell me, Mr. Weak Link, we have Travis Clardy, son of Lubbock, Texas, on here. I said in the tweet uh, that you grew up in West Texas and you serve in East Texas. What are yeah. some things that you've learned over these last 25 years about differences but also similarities between West Texas and East Texas? Well, let's start with similarities. I will tell you. Uh, and I think this is true, and I make a trip to the Valley, or I go to the cities, or uh, trans Pecos, or wherever. Uh, East Texas and West Texas, fundamentally, the, the key word is Texas. And people that are from Texas are universally proud of being Texas. And that is that is absolutely true from the folks we know out here representing East Texas and the folks I grew up in Lubbock and, you know, that I graduated with Monterey High School, class of 1980. Um, and so that that is there, uh, and I think, and I would say both areas of the Delzet similarities. Uh, I'm in a college town with SFA. I grew up in a college town in Lubbock with Texas Tech. Um, there's a lot of commonality there. People are, are friendly. They're they're open, and but they're both uh, rural parts of the state. I know that's an issue, Jay, that you focus on a lot in your 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 spots and things that you write about and do. And you know, when you have people with rural roots. Uh, I think it informs uh, people's decision making and who they are and what lessons they pass on to their children. Uh, and and you, you see that that is kind of that uh, respect for their history, that uh, uh, that kind of uh, uh, you know commitment to community, uh, the the knowledge you know that our, our roots are literally in the dirt in the soil of Texas, which has a, a unique heritage among our uh, sister states, and so. Uh, you know, it, it, it's um, there's a, there's there are many many more similarities. Differences, though, I would tell you, uh, and I think it's, it's somewhat environmental. 
uh, you know, out here in uh, East Texas, there are all these things they call trees. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was, as, a, as a born and bred Flatlander, there are times that and I, I love it. It's beautiful here. But there are times I got to get west where I can see something. You know, I need to see a horizon. I need to see a, a sunset and uh, see a big sky. And I think we, West Texas are, are, I think, are more in some respects more uh, open and or just uh, some maybe they're friendlier because once upon a time, if you saw a face coming towards you, it was five miles away before you finally got there, and you were happy to see another human face. Uh, in East Texas, you know, they literally folks come out from behind trees because that's what they're in and so it's uh it's uh, uh it creates kind of a different dynamic uh you know the, the folks in east texas are very very committed to their history to their heritage and, and family roots run very deep which i will tell you coincidentally we've got all sorts of roots in east texas i've got family members buried uh, throughout shelby county and, and nacogdoches county and uh, you know, like most Texans, uh, they travel, you know, east to west and, and looking for opportunity. And that's what our family did. But we still have a, a lot of roots and history here. So it's um, it's been a pleasure to be representing this part of Texas. But the thing I know in the legislature we have to focus on is making sure we don't lose our Texanity, that we remember who we are as Texans. <laughs> and a big part of that is remembering our rural roots. Texanity. Yeah. And so... Texanity comes to bear when we're talking about health care or we're talking about schools or we're talking about agriculture. And I think that those are certainly common interests that uh, East Texas, whether it's forestry or it's cotton, on the national level and to the degree that we can help that at the state level. But certainly public schools are a part of that uh, rural inclination, uh, something that rural people fight pretty hard for, Travis Clardy. Um let's go forward here let's talk about the legislature and i want to put you on the spot with a couple things one is you are you were and i assume that you will continue to be on the higher education board what do you make of this texas tech vet school initiative as it goes forward i'm uh, very keen on it i'm I'm pleased to see it it moving forward uh you know i've talked to my colleagues up there uh Ken King, who I think you talked to and had on your program, uh, you know, reminded me he's living in Canadian Texas that he's closer to five other state capitals than he is to Austin. Uh, you know, but some folks may not realize it, but Texas is a pretty big old place. And the, the notion that in a, the heart of the, the uh, agricultural area like like West Texas that we have a veterinary school there, it, it makes sense to me. Uh, I think it's been talked about for a long time. Um, you know, and I think there's always going to be a mission for Texas A&M to continue their long history of doing that. But I think there's, you know, there, there's a, a place for competition, uh, not just in the marketplace, but I think also in higher education. Let me ask you this. The question that I'm getting texts about right now, Travis Clardy, is you going to throw your hat in the ring for speaker? Because let me, let me know right up. There, there are a lot of people who believe right now with the momentum of the House and the way that the primaries worked, the people who fought through primary, we had Sarah Davis on the show yesterday, for example, as somebody who probably goes with the Republican platform 80% of the time because she wasn't at 100%. Uh, she got primaried and she fought against it. She survived. Uh, you've got colleagues in San Antonio and other places, the same thing. So it seems to me that it's going to come down to somebody in the House that may look a lot like Travis Clardy. Uh, 
do you have intentions of throwing your hat in here? Well, we're going to have to check. A lot of folks have talked to me about it. Uh, I would certainly consider it, but I will tell you, I, I know that we're going to have a good, solid, conservative Republican member will be the next Speaker of the House. And, and I'm honored to serve with a, a large number of guys, that, that, uh, and, and guys being a non-gender-specific reference, uh, a lot of good members that could do the job and do it very well. I'd like to think that you know, I could, could be that person. Uh, but there's a lot of things we got to do first, a lot of traps we need to run. Uh, it'd be an honor. Uh, you know, I was close to saying I'm interested, and I think that puts me in the exclusive company of about 149 other members <laughs> who would also be interested in being a speaker. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, first things first, uh, we got this little thing called an election uh, general in November. Uh, I've got an opponent. Uh, I'm very confident of, of my uh, likelihood of success. Uh, but I do think that November election, uh, on a broader uh, scale, is going to have a, a, a real bearing on what the, the speaker's race will look like. And I don't think it's going to be determined, uh, nor all the candidates have thrown their hat in the ring uh, until that election is over. No. Uh, I think there's a lot of lot of tea leaves still let, yet to be read. Uh, you know, so you listen to some folks, they talk about the, the blue wave or blue tsunami that's coming. Other folks, and, and uh, look at some of the recent activity, it may be a, a blue trickle. Uh, or somewhere in between. So, you know, but, you know, I appreciate you asking the question, Jay, and, and like, uh, like a lot of members, you know, certainly would have an interest and, and think I could do a good job of that capacity, but, uh, you know, Judy and I haven't really sat down and nobody's, we haven't made a decision. There's a lot of people whose influence I'd like to, to get and get their input and, and uh, you know, wisdom, I think, is not a decision to be entered into lightly and, and We'd have some prayerful discussions before we ever get to that. But first things first, you can't be in the game. You can't play the game unless you're in the game. And to do that, you got to win an election in November. Queenie, take a note. Mm-hmm. Uh, we need to look at the tallest speaker of the House in Texas history. Okay. okay. We're going we're gonna to look well, that up. Now, Joe, I'll tell you right now. I'll tell you this right now. I am the tallest member of the Texas legislature in history. In the, uh, so that's already confirmed. We're already getting that from you. Well, you gotta remember, I'm, I'm, I am from Texas, and more specifically from Lubbock, and, uh, you know, I don't let, you know, some of them let the truth get in the way of a good story. And to my knowledge, I've looked at the pictures. I know several members I serve with are 6'4", six, 6'5", six, but nobody can come up with a, a member of the Texas legislature taller than 6'7". I think once you go back 40, 50, 60 years, you're going to run out of, there's not going to be that many folks that tall. Yeah, but so here's I'm your problem, of, Travis Clardy, is that I know Pete Laney. So we're, we're we're gonna vet this information. Uh, U.S. U.S. Speaker Lane, well, uh, if he can remember anybody taller, uh, okay. don't ask him better looking, taller. Ask him taller. Uh, no, I'm not gonna yeah. get into looks at all. I mean, now I'm going back to this whole Judy thing and thinking how this happened. Okay, so last thing I want to ask you here: What are two things that you've looked at over the interim that you plan on? really getting behind and i've got about a minute and a half here but yeah two things you've looked at in the interim that you think that needs a lot of action going into january well two things uh one of them kind of a new issue one's an old issue particularly from folks in west texas uh but, but very vital to us first one is uh, the school safety issue you know it was fortuitous uh, that we had asked the school safety center to come be part of our program at the Lone Star Legislative Summit in Nacogdoches and talk about those issues, uh, talk about law enforcement community here. Uh, I think that's going to be a key issue going forward, and it is inextricably linked to 
the issue of mental health, which those two things together really need to be handled mm-hmm. um, and move forward. And I appreciate Governor Abbott's attention to that. Uh, kind of rolling out a plan, but I think we're going to really have to focus on that and come up with and get the, get the science right behind it. But the focus has to be on identification of people who are mentally you know, troubled and, and those students and those people who may have an aptitude to do that. Second issue, though, is here it comes again. Uh, it's water. Uh, we're moving into the next drought uh, by all accounts, and we need to do some things to continue to modify our plans because it, it has, that can have a catastrophic effect on our on our state and our region, our economy. Uh, and there's things that we can do, including uh, getting Lake Columbia built over here in East Texas, uh, figuring out a way to, to move water uh, respectfully around the state, but while also preserving people's uh, private property rights. So uh, those issues, I think, are, are ones we need to tackle. We lost some good legislation uh, last time the uh, chairman lost be carried, and uh, you know, regret that. But we need to make sure that we we uh, have a good, solid strategy going forward. Because whether it's this time or the next time or the time after that, we're, we live in Texas. We're going to have droughts. It's going to get hot, and we need water. Yeah, we got to get Larson on the show to figure out how we're going to get water 3,000 feet up the Caprock. But uh, until then, hey, Travis Clark, it's been great to get with you. I hope that we can get you on the next couple of months and talk more about some of these issues. But uh, for now, give Judy my best. Thank you for making time, buddy. And I'll do it. Hey, I miss King King, but I'd be remiss if I didn't give a shout-out to my compadres up there, the Lubbock delegation, John Frulo and Dustin Burroughs, and I appreciate serving those guys. You know, I'm, I'm proud of the of West Texas for sending good, solid members and common sense folks there. But we're going to have some we're going to have some work to do, and I, I look forward to serving the ones y'all send us and up on the south line. Well, he is Travis Clardy. Thanks for taking time, Travis Clardy. But Fred Harden in studio with us. Fred Harden is with Willowbend Mortgage, and uh, I want to talk a little bit about. Let's give you the appropriate. Uh, introduction. Please, some applause. Somewhere Travis Clardy's listening. If anyone didn't I get applause. Uh, so, here's what we're trying to do. What the Leeson clan is doing right now is we're just scrumming up. We're making all the money we can. Racking in the dough. Trying to get all the things that we need for the house that we want. That we've put these plans out on. We don't own it yet. But we're going to. And we have four little ones. And this house that we want has about 2,200 square feet. And so we begin to look at how do we build on the second floor and and extend. It's, it's on a big lot, a good part of town. And and how, how do we go about doing this? And I start talking to people. My buddy Weston Taylor, Farmers Insurance, other guys. And to a man, you got to go see Fred Harden. You got to go see Willowbend Mortgage. You got to go see Fred. So why do I, let's act like we've never had this conversation before, Fred. Why do the Leesons need to go see Fred Harden on this loan, and how do we even do it? Well, um, I think the big thing is because we kind of specialize in renovation loans. Uh, Not every lender out there um, is going to be able to do that. They're a unique beast. But we have a designated department um, of, you know, people that are professionals and they're trained in specifically how to put together a renovation 
loan. Uh, a lot of the other folks out there, uh, I mean, they might be able to do it, but they're going to, you know, it's going to be a loan that they're going to do once every six months or whatever, and they're having to recreate, you know, the scene of the crime, so to speak. And so we, I think the big thing is because we have a designated department of renovation experts. So to answer your question about how that would occur is, you know, we can do a renovation on both a purchase, like if you found an existing home that you wanted to buy, but you maybe wanted to renovate the kitchen or you wanted to add on square footage, whatever, um, it's, it's pretty simple to do. We can also do a renovation on your current home. So if you, you know, you want to add space to your existing home, the the process is pretty much the same. And but if we were, like I remember moving into our house, and we'd just gotten done with seminary, and we made a sacrifice to do that, and then we also decided that we were going to, Charity was going to stay at home with the kiddos. And so we were just pinching nickels trying to figure out how we were going to make this great little home in central Lubbock into a home for our family and what we should have done is just come and seen you and gotten the loan for the renovation after the purchase of the home. Yeah I think that's the big thing is that um, like if you're for someone looking to buy a house and I'm going to just invent numbers but let's say that you're buying um, a $200,000 house and you want to do a $40,000 renovation, then you, you can do an FHA loan, which you could get in for 3.5% down, or you could do a conventional loan, which you could get in for 5% down. And really the only caveat in all that if is the house would have to appraise for enough to cover the renovation. So if you're buying it for 200 and you're going to do a $40,000 renovation, we the process is we get an appraiser to go out there and they look at the scope of work that you would be doing and then they're going to give us an appraisal based on how much that house is worth after the work is completed. After it's completed. After the work is completed. And so, so they get plans on what's going to be done. Agreed. And consider that in the appraisal. Okay. All right. Yeah, and so, you know, then at that point in time, it, it's literally kind of dependent upon how much money you want to put down. You know, you can get into an FHA for 3.5% down. You can get into a conventional for 5% down. But, you know, literally the process is the same. Um, it just kind of kind of depends on how much money you have available, you know. Okay, so in our situation... We get the house, and then you send appraisers out. We could come to you in the beginning to buy the house. Yes. And then plus the renovation loan. Yeah. So those are packed in together. Yeah. And What's that kind of loan called? It's called a renovation loan. So the renovation covers the purchase as well as the renovation. Yeah. And the, the way that I, you know, kind of, you know, explain this to people is that a lot of times they'll get a loan for just to purchase the house. Then they have to go to a bank or somewhere and get something to do renovation cost. And we just, it's a one-stop shop 
for us. I mean, we we do the home purchase. We add the renovation to the cost of the home purchase. And then, you know, we do all the legwork of getting the appraisal. And then, so literally, you're going to close on the house. You're going to become the owner of this house. And then the next week, your renovation can begin. And you have up to six months to complete the renovation. But you don't do any work on the house until you actually own it. So what do people do, though, Fred? Fred Harden will have been mortgage here with us, a great advertiser on the program. What do you do, though, on a major renovation? What would you advise? Charity and I come in and say, okay, we want to build on 750 square feet, 1,000, 1,500 square feet on this big lot. We aren't necessarily going to want to live in the house during the time in which that's being done. What do folks do about the meantime? Go buy an RV, move in with Cousin (laughs) Eddie? Well, it it kind of depends. I mean, it varies from situation to situation. For people that are renting, they just continue to rent until, you know, the renovation is, you know, completed. For folks that, um, you you know, maybe already live in the house, you know, that they're doing a refinance, um, it you know you're you're going to have to make arrangements if you don't want to live there during yeah. the construction so typically whenever you get a loan on renovation the bank will put out certain amount over certain durations of time but they want to see a certain amount of production in, in, intermittently so what's a loan look like with Willowbend on how long does do we have to have that construction done well, you've got up to six months. Um, and For it to be completed? For it to be completed. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, you start then usually the contractor, and, and this is maybe an important point. This is not for the do-it-yourselfer. Yeah. Okay. So it's got to, you've got to have a licensed contractor because we've got to contract, you know, to, we have to protect the integrity of the work being done. Mm-hmm. Um but you know essentially the contractor will say hey we're ordering appliances we need you know ten thousand dollars and so you know when the appliances come in he takes a picture he sends it to our renovation department they release the funds or you know we're we've completed this portion of the kitchen we need such and such again we usually will get the appraiser to go out there and kind of take pictures of the work along the way but i've done that i mean i'm you know we just closed on one a couple of weeks ago and i went out and took pictures uh you know last week because the appraiser was out of town and you know the contractor wanted you know some more money so essentially the leasings come in and we get say we want to do a hundred thousand dollars so we have a hundred thousand but people come to you with different phases of the project and money is released is that the way it works yeah absolutely i mean it's essentially there is like you close on the loan and the person that is selling the house they get their money the realtors get their money and then after that we have you know if your renovation is going to be a forty thousand dollar renovation then we hold that in escrow 
so that as the contractor is wanting to be paid, we release those funds, we update the title work every time they take a draw to make sure that, you know, everybody is being paid, there are no liens, so that when you're through, you know that you still have a, a clear title mm-hmm. on the house and there's no existing, you know, uh, liens out there on the property. Yeah. So let's segue for just a moment. Getting uh, Blue Collar Bill is going to be with us tomorrow on the program, Bill Varner. Fred Harden taught me to play the saxophone in 1979 <laughs> at Atkins, Atkins Jr. High. Still, I remember. Still sing and write today. Fred got me started. Uh, and that's a student, but you deal. You've had a long, you had a long career in public education, and you know a lot of teachers, a lot of education professionals. What can Willowbend Mortgage do for those education professionals? Well, um, we actually have a hero package that where we essentially reduce our closing cost by seven hundred and sixty dollars for teachers, firemen. Uh, policemen, uh, doctors, nurses, you know, veterans. So essentially what it boils down to is the... Radio hosts that talk about public education a lot don't don't qualify as heroes? Um, Well, I think you're kind of considered more a menace to society is the way I view that. Uh, That's common. (laughs) Right? No, but um, essentially we reduce our costs so that the lender cost on that is 500 bucks and you know you still have additional closing costs for the appraisal title work uh, surveys things like that but we're we want that's our way of saying thank you because i mean uh you know burl robertson retired superintendent is now working you know he's kind of doing some um work for us and we hope that once he's completely off contract we're hoping that he's going to join us full time but right now we're just kind of contracting for some business development randy dean a retired educator and so we're kind of a uh, company about educators and so that's just kind of our way of saying thank you hmm. uh tell people how to contact you well, yeah um our office is located at 8605 milwaukee suite 102 that's just south of the walmart at 82nd and milwaukee um our my direct line is 806 228-7534 and my cell phone is 806-790-0637 a website uh, yeah website great uh, fharden h-a-r-d-i-n dot w-b-m for willowbendmortgage.com and there's a lot of information you can apply online there um, so yeah feel free to reach out and we would love to visit with yeah, you yeah give them that website one more time F Harden H A R D I N dot W B M for WillowbendMortgage.com. All right. Fred, great to have you in. Thanks for uh having a little across the desk session with me across <laughs> microphones. No, this is great. I appreciate the opportunity to be on. Yeah. Well, uh, check Fred Harden out. Hey, uh, we're going to begin to close out the program. If you want to see, uh, in the first segment, I was talking about the, the Farm Bill piece we wrote. We tried to give you the, 
the straight and skinny in a political world where we pull legs and we act like we didn't uh we uh try to put pieces up there that matter uh you check that out other side of texas see us on twitter at ostx show there on uh, our facebook other side of texas as well so for the very tall travis clarty Fred Harden and Queenie Catherine Wilkes. This is Jay Leeson signing off. This edition of Other Side of Texas, you go to our Apple Podcast and hope you subscribe and tell a friend about it. Gonna go home, gotta get home above average dinner and a great family waiting. See you tomorrow with Brandon Darby here on Other Side of Texas.